0: Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now on to this week's episode. Four, laser-eyed writing. Becoming serious about writing requires a laser-eyed focus. Laser-eyed focus is a phrase used by the financial guru Dave Ramsey, a financial piece whose money budgeting system is similar to the envelope system. Ramsey and the envelopes are successful because both systems control all money coming in and money going out. For people who want to get out of debt and stay out of it, the system helps you determine the amount of income money coming in, the amount of outgo money paying bills, and the amount of wiggle room disposable Using the disposable wisely means paying down the debt with the highest interest rate first. Once the first debt is paid off, the laser-eyed focus turns to the next, then the next, until all debts are paid. Too many people fall into the debt trap by living above their means. They choose a lifestyle, not reality. Another instance of fantasy creating problems in the real world. Want to go on vacation? Decide how much money is necessary. Save it so you can pay cash. Seeing the physical dollars leave your hand encourages careful spending. With plastic, we never see the money leave. Some of us don't even look at the receipt. Some people take a side job and chunk all of that cash onto the debt, dropping it down faster. Others use the side job money to fund their frivolous expenses, like vacation. Do you know what writers fantasize about? Quitting the day job and writing during all those hours previously devoted to the job. We think, would I be better off writing? The answer is yes. The wallet and our bills say no. Money is a resource that demands careful expenditure. Writers need to monitor closely any spending of their earned income. A. Be money-wise. Some of the writers who profited in the early days of the Kindle Revolution did so because few books were available in the marketplace. Their books sold and sold and sold, making them a mint. They quit their jobs and spent and spent and spent rather than saving. More stories soon entered the marketplace. A greater supply created competition for story-buying dollars. These writers of the early Kindle days saw their incomes shrink drastically. Reality to the fantasy. Yes, for your writing career, you should be better off writing rather than heading to the 9-to-5 office, especially if you have a boss who wants you on call 24-7. However, you need money. You need your emotional support. Would I be better off writing comes after these two. That phrase is an acronym coined by Scott William Carter. For 99% of the questions, the answer is always yes. Don't quit the day job until a guaranteed money supply is available, a supply not dependent on market forces like oversupply. B, keep the circle strong. Family can turn into a brood of beloved vampires. Even as you love and enjoy them, children can drain all of your strength. They have boundless frenetic energy. They have constant demands. Infant to college-enrolled young adult. When you most need patience, they can drain all your reserves. Children are rewarding, though. They give you ideas, hope, love. Writers can find themselves chained by words. Your loved ones will free you from those chains. We then wear the remaining links a little looser. The circle is the most important goal, not a nebulous dream of the future. Even when your writing dream becomes a fulfilled goal, that evening spent with loved ones while playing rummy is still more rewarding goal than tapping the keyboard. Spouses can be helpful supporters or hope drinking passive-aggressive monsters. Writers have to remove toxic substances from their nest and carefully manage their resources, money, energy, emotions, time, to avoid pervasive spins by family. Supportive spouses look for ways to help. That's a two-way street. You have to support your spouse just as much. They have dreams too. Relationships are an obligation that we should enjoy and not mutely curse. Any obligation, like jobs, like families, will consume time, but it should not consume all of your time. Babies and littles and family in crisis are different. They come first always. The circle shares energy. One person can affect the whole group. Be the person who brings sunshine. Even when you don't feel like smiling, do so. That will affect your emotions as well as those around you. C, support you and yours before the riding. Every rider fantasizes about income, which means no more worries about how to afford riding, and China and Crystal, our beach vacations all through the winter, season tickets for the favorite baseball team, our Super Bowl tickets every year, the Great Hawaii Escape, are the modern-style home overlooking the lake. Jobs, those things we have with bosses and the public, do create a steady and stable income often with perks like health insurance and pensions. Yet those jobs can be vampires, drinking all your creativity and energy and inspiration. We let them drink everything. We have to juggle what's important to us. Stable income versus pursuit of the dream. Writers following the traditional publishing route have no guarantees. A contract doesn't guarantee the book will steal. One, No guarantees that the writing will be accepted by a publisher. Two, no guarantees that the contracts will keep coming. Three, none that the advance will be sufficient. Four, marketing and online presence still have to be funded. Five, networking with readers and other writers still has to occur. Meetings, seminars, conferences, conventions, and more need funds. Self-publishing can only guarantee that the book will enter the marketplace, but not guarantee that it will sell. The cost can be budget, one, covers, two, editing, three, marketing, four, online presence and networking. Even writers who have made a mint with their stories through film and licensing opportunities have no guarantee that the next book will retain their audience if they do something totally stupid, like piss off a goodly portion of the population with an off-the-cuff comment, then they could lose any extra money opportunities as well as their book audience. D. Time is free. Time is the only free resource that writers can control. The habit of the laser-eyed focus on writing can be difficult to build. It takes only 21 days to break a habit. It takes 66 days to build a habit. That's twice as long. The truth is that constructing something is infinitely more difficult than destroying it. As borden Deal shared in his story, Antius, Awareness helps focus your laser eyes on your writing goal. You can set up reminders to help you remember writing. You can convince family that a specific daily hour or two is devoted to writing, and then you'll come out and be totally with them, You can sneak an extra hour in the morning or the evening. You can use snippets of time for snippets of writing. When you wisely use your spare time for writing, you don't begrudge your other obligations. The job becomes the means by which you pay for the opportunity to write, including taking a writing retreat to get over a difficult bridge in your story or online classes to improve your skills. Are to pay for better covers for your books. Family becomes a daily joy that pulls you out of your head. That interaction will improve the flow of ideas. The habit of a regular writing time in a regular writing space has a greater benefit. Words come more rapidly. You find yourself musing over the story while you are away from your writing space so that when you reach it, the words come pouring out. No more dread of the blank page. That's right. Writer's block becomes the nothing that it actually is. 6. Invasion of the Story Killers Consider your personal writing process. Stories begin with snippets of ideas, which are then roughed to shape a series of scenes that you will draft into a coherent plot of scenes and sequels. Dwight Swain, terms from Techniques of the Selling Writer. These scenes and sequels will achieve a complete manuscript, which will need a bit of revision, a whole lot of proofreading, and only then can be prepped for publication with a blurb and formatting and more. If you take the traditional route by submitting to an official publishing house, you'll also need a synopsis and outline and query letter and more. If you go the indie route and publish yourself, you'll follow guidelines for uploading to platforms like Amazon, Kobo, iBooks, Ingram Spark, Draft2Digital, and more. You'll work with a cover designer and maybe a line editor. Different stages of writing require different brains. The rough shape and draft stages need unbroken creativity and energy. Hour-long stretches of writing are not just desirable, but essential. The idea, revision, proofing, and prepping stages need only attention. Smaller bits of time are acceptable. When you have 15 spare minutes, you can sketch out ideas, proof, and more. Revising while waiting for appointments, squeezing in corrections while sitting on bleachers, and snatching a couple of pages to sketch are constant possibilities. The only two actual necessities are your awareness of the available bits of time, and your plan to use them for writing. Doesn't that beat surfing, Facebook, or playing a phone game? The hour-long stretches occur when you decide to use them. Getting up an hour earlier, heading to bed an hour earlier. These are possibilities. Writing two hours every night, that's a definite possibility. Much better than binging on Netflix or vegging out through another rerun. The early days of the habit are the most difficult you have to create reminders. Reminders that you will see. I don't know how many sticky notes I would put on the refrigerator or the microwave, hoping I would see them while I was fixing supper, and just totally overlook them. I stumbled into my greatest help for daily writing. Privacy and writing. When I moved into my home in 2011, I had no need of a formal dining space, when off the kitchen was a great informal dining area with a large window, overlooking the bird feeders. That official, formal dining room became my library home office. Four bookcases for my book collection, the office desk that I bought with eyes bigger than my wallet. For the past few years, that desk had become nothing more than a spot to pay bills and grade papers. When I resumed writing a year after that move, I naturally headed for the big office desk in the wide open space right beside my front door. I hadn't been working many weeks before I had a visitor, one who prowled around the desk, saw printed manuscript pages, and picked them up to read. I didn't even really know this woman, and she was reading my story. My unproved story. My incomplete story. Horror! I'm superstitious. When I'm constructing stories, I don't want anyone looking over my shoulder. Maybe that's to keep the story mine until it's released into the wild. Maybe it's the old belief that letting someone see the draft will kill the story. Whatever. It was an intolerable invasion. That old belief of killing the story sounds right. I've shared story ideas before. As people commented and criticized and Nick said, my little story seedling would shrivel and die, I stopped going to critique groups early on. On that fateful day, when that mere acquaintance of a woman picked up my rough manuscript pages, I almost cried. I don't know what I expected. I do know that I feared my little story idea would dry up and blow away. And I had just resumed writing after years of not writing. No, 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 no. This was not going to happen again. Once a draft is completed, I can share the stories out there with only polishing needed. Not before the completed draft, though. I don't understand how other writers can use developmental editors. That wouldn't work for me. Is totally okay for them, but my little story seedling or sprout would no longer thrive. She asked what I was writing. I said a mystery. She put the pages down and joined me in the great room. While we conversed, my brain attacked the problem of keeping a manuscript private in an open plan house. Know your writing space needs. Some people can write on the kitchen table. Some write in bed. I need a flat surface and a chair. I need to be able to put pages on both sides of a flat writing surface. Some people can write in coffee houses. I wish, for I love an endless supply of coffee. However, the creative muse needs no outside words. Instrumental music encourages the muse. Music with words? Nope. Some people need only a laptop. They might have a mouse rather than a touchpad. Two things, and they're good to go. I need sticky notes and pens, stapler and paper clips, tape and scissors, paper, pens, laptop, mouse. On that fateful day, when the snooping woman left, I stared at the big office desk of my writing fantasy and declared, I'm getting real. Time to move my writing space. The printer could stay in the office. The creative writing space would shift to a private area of my house, not a public room. That meant that it would not be going into a spare bedroom used when the family came to visit. How did I solve my problem? And how will you solve yours? Well, that's next. 7. Fertile Spaces for Story Seeds Devote a space for the writing. Having a space devoted solely to writing is more than simply having a spot for all of the creative mess to be. Once the space becomes habitual, entering it will set off the brain synapses to start creativity. Half of our transition from non-writing to writing is completed simply by walking into our writing space and sitting down at our desk or opening the laptop on the bed or placing our tablet on a table and clicking away. When the writing space is located in a private area, We don't risk people messing with our messy-looking organization of the great sprawling mass that is a novel. When it's private, we don't have people poking their noses into a story that we're not ready to release to the world at large. Locating the space where you will encounter it morning and night helps build the habit of daily writing. The location creates the reminder. The reminder drives you into the space. Entering the space turns on our brains for creativity. In 2012, thinking about where I wanted to write, I became fascinated by others' plots for sowing story seeds. Published in 2009, The Guardian ran a series of special interest columns on the work areas of well-known English writers. Writers' rooms, they called it. You can still find the series. My fantasy of a writing space was library-like, with floor-to-ceiling shelves, filing cabinets as the lower shelf space, two large work tables in addition to a massive desk, and the office equipment hidden behind doors. Also behind doors would be a project board for my work in progress, a large window for radiant sunshine, birdsong, and a gentle breeze, my work computer, and a discreet computer for internet referencing, an assistant who would need his own office space so his good looks didn't distract me too much. Wall space for my covers as art and for awards and photos with famous people. Oh, and an excellent office chair. A girl can fantasize, right? So the dream of writing in a writing space has snippets of the fantasy but still involves work tables and shelving in addition to a desk, window, and ceiling fan. A work-in-progress project board and a place to hide equipment and office supplies, and a great chair. My covers will be the art in 4 by 6 frames. The Guardian Writer's Room series set my fantasy back on its high-spiked cherry-pink heels. Many of the writers had only corners in a room. Only a few had devoted spaces. All were creatively messy, with only a couple looking like hoarders. Most of them had started by making do with the space and just remaining in it because they become comfortable with the space and didn't need to change. After my encounter with that Snoopy woman, I devoted a Sunday afternoon to research about writers' spaces. The Guardians' various photos in the series offered tons of ideas. The stories that accompany the photos our writers talking about their spaces came to be are as interesting and varied as the spaces themselves. That's a key element. Our writing space reflects us, not someone else. We have to decide what we need and where we need it and how we're going to set it up and what eccentric little touches will make it ours. We can tuck into a corner. When I moved into my house in 2011, I converted an offset sitting area in the master bedroom, which I didn't need, into a master closet, which was needed. That created a problem, though, for the new master closet was too large for the clothes that I had. I had a corner, about 8 by 6, that stood empty and unused. No longer. After the invasion of that potential story killer, my new writing space went into the too large master closet. A craft table became the flat surface. A task lamp helped the lighting issue. A plastic three-door cart held supplies. I used one of the dining chairs as my work chair, Not that comfy, but not that uncomfortable. The surface of the craft table felt horrid. I covered it with a pretty scarf, then put a clear blotter over it. I had a few little chalk keys. A nearby window. The ceiling fan in the bedroom provided a gentle breeze. The space was completely private. Only family would come in, and that would only be when they visited. The words poured out, which is what matters. I didn't need a fantasy library office. Still want one, though. Working on getting that dream. Learning the bare basics of what we need to write. That's a great lesson. After six years in my house, I moved. Life changes, you know. Right now, my writing space is along a wall in my bedroom. Sometimes I'll pop out and sit in the family room and draft something nonfiction. I'm dreaming of a return to a devoted writing space with floor-to-ceiling bookcases, a board for the work in progress. Four by six photo frames showing my covers. That little corner in a closet, which wasn't really a closet, taught a serious lesson. Here's the basics needed. When I wrote, my back was to my clothes. I faced the window. Seeing green. That was actually all I needed. Oh, paper, pens, laptop, mouse. Thanks for listening to The Rock Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emily from Writer's Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio AudioJungle, called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at thebrightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at Webooksaol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends, or write a review, we're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, write on.